0: Well, let's go before the Lord and we will pick it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Father, now as we come before you, Lord, and look at your word, and we ask that you just move through our hearts and our midst as you're so faithful to do, Lord. Just bring your word to life, Lord. Have it minister to our hearts, Lord. Speak to us in ways that only you can. And so we ask that you would move by your spirit in our midst. For we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. So these chapters, you know, this is a a letter written by Paul to uh, the Corinthian church. And Remember, at that time, there was only one church in the city of Corinth. uh, So everybody went to it. When it talks about the church, it's literally the church, not like we have today. And one of the things I just want to mention before we begin is that, you know, wherever the Lord takes you, I would just always encourage you to find a place that teaches through the Bible expeditionally. And what I mean by that is they kind of teach, you know, uh, verse by verse, they teach through the books of the Bible, they, you know, not they're just picking on topics all the time. Because quite frankly, you probably, if you didn't ever been to a church that teaches that way, you would never go through the whole the chapter 5. You just, people wouldn't. I mean, maybe you've heard verses and heard quotes once in a while from it, uh, chapter 6 is the same way. A lot of chapter 7 is the same way. You just wouldn't have anybody teach through it because they're just, quite frankly, not something <laughs> that, you know, uh, you know, is perky and everybody gets, you know, wow, okay, that's great and wonderful. I mean, these are some serious issues going on in the church. They're completely relevant for our day, as you'll see, um, uh, more than ever, maybe. Uh, and. So that's why I always encourage you guys. It's just so important that we hear all what God has to say, and not kind of pick and choose and ride our hobby horse, which is a very dated illustration now. But <laughs> that's what we used to say. I can't think of a new one for that. So um, I, guess I haven't given it much thought, to be honest with you. But we're in First Corinthians chapter six, and so you know, last week we talked about you know immorality in the church with uh, a man who was a believer, and I believe he was a believer, but he was caught up in sexual immorality. And uh, so, you know, again, they told him, leave the fellowship. You can't live two lives. You can't live in this immorality and then be in fellowship in the church. You're going to have to choose. And it was for his good not to punish. Again, I'll emphasize that over and over again. It was, the whole goal was restoration. And again, we will see in the next letter Paul write in 2 Corinthians that the guy will choose the right, and he'll be restored, and Paul's so happy that, you know, it it had the effect that it was intended to bring him back, you know, to the church and to do what's right. And now we'll talk about correction on several issues, but really it's one theme running through this, uh, the immorality having to do with the first part, although the second part, you know, sometimes we could tend to look at a little bit more in detail, but really it's one chapter with one theme, really, although there's tons of applications through there. And, and that is that they were being so happy. They were suing each other. And so, uh, verse 1 says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? So, obviously, there's an issue now that Paul's going to address in the church here going on between people in the church. And what they're doing is they're going outside the body of believers, the the church system, to move into the world system to solve this difference between the two. I guess you would say today, you know, something went wrong, and they said to another one, hey, I'm suing you. I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to sue you. And we don't know, you know, what the circumstances are. They're never explained because they're not really important. But the bottom line is these two people are families or groups, whatever it was, doesn't give us the detail, but uh, again, you know, there's obviously a problem, and what they're doing is they're just going to the outside of the church, to the court system, we'd say today, and they were having them make a decision, and Paul's like, uh, are, are, you, w- what, uh, what are you, what are you guys thinking of? You're going to the world system to solve a problem that should be handled within the church, within between two brothers, because the Bible is very clear on how to handle matters. You know, Jesus spoke very clearly, and the Bible does. How do you handle a matter between two, two, two people, two Christians, we would say, today? And again, it doesn't sound like much has changed in a couple thousand years. Um, uh, you, you know, it's, I, sadly, it still goes on today. You know, the ungodly are judging matters for the godly. And when you put it in those terms, what justice do you think are you really going to find there? You know, I, I, I run into people throughout my life. And, you know, my experience and experiences of others is that you just going into our legal system is a... They think they're going to get something out of it somehow, and our legal system is so bogged down and it's so messed up in so many ways. and I'm just speaking about ours today, maybe even worse than it was back in the Roman system, where are they're talking about here in 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 Corinthians. Uh, but you know, that to expect that you're going to get justice somehow from from our legal system, you know, as a believer, you're just you're going to be sadly disappointed. I, I don't think I've ever. Heard anybody, you know, who went to court for whatever reason is to seek justice in some way, got it from the court system. But the bottom line is you're having the ungodly judge godly matters. Remember, this is in the family. they are not talking about a non-believer now. Uh, we're not talking about, you know, a believer comes up with a non-believer and, you know, those kind of situations. We're not talking about that. You know, the situation is between two Christians or two believers, and, and the solution will come, you know, in seeking the Lord, certainly. And then he goes on to say, our, verse 2, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? You know we just need to remember when you when you have that kind of thinking right we're told that you know we know that the bible tells us we're going to rule and reign with jesus that's the place of the believer we're going to be judging earthly things we're going to be judging heavenly matters and uh, again you know that's the place of the believer that that's who we are now again um, one day that's what's going to happen now obviously today um, Certainly, we're not in that position all the way around as far as judging angels and judging the world. Um, but you know that that is who we are. That is what we'll eventually be doing. Now, what does judge angels mean? You know, uh, that's up for some little debate. You know, some people you know think it's talking about fallen angels, which it very well could be, um, and it seems more likely. Um, uh, Dealing in those matters, we we just know. But what we do know is that you know, man was a, a little lower position than the angels, and through redemption was lifted in a place with fellowship with God, a position above the angels. So we're made in a little lower than the angels, or as we're told in Hebrews, like, a lower than the angels. But now our position is being. You know, our fellowship with God has lifted us far above that, which puts us into a position where we're going to be settling eternal matters, things of great weight. And even though this is probably the biggest thing going on in life in these two people, you know, assuming that's just two people, you know, he calls them the smallest of matters. When When it's in light of eternity, you know, these things about, well, he wronged me, you know, they were building... Uh, I had this contractor, and he didn't put the wall in right, or he didn't do this, or he's trying to charge me more, or this person, you know, is trying to, you know, whatever the matter was, right? You know, compare that to heavenly, eternal things. What's, there's just no comparison. So if this is our position, our great position that we have, and who we are in Christ, why can't we settle these simple matters between ourselves? And verse 4 says that if then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who is able to judge between his brethren? Now, again, you know, Paul's really kind of hitting them there because their whole position, remember, we went through the beginning of... They thought they were so smart. They thought they were, you know, the best church. They, you know, well, I follow this guy, I follow this guy, and they thought they were just like the smartest group of people that ever hit the planet, right? And they were very wise, and look at them, and God used them in a great way. There was many gifts going on in the church, as we'll get to later on in 1 Corinthians, and talking with all those things that were going on in the church. So it seems very alive and, and great, and it was and certainly in some aspects, but um, he's saying here is, uh, you know, kind of sarcastically, I believe, right? You know, if well, if the spiritual leaders and if you people that are so wise can't do this, well, just find like, <laughs> you know, appoint some new believer to do it. And again, he's saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek, kind of funny, well, if you, you're so wise and all you guys that are, you know, been, you know, leading the church and are, you know, Elders or whatever, like this, you can't you can't figure it out among you. Then just get the newest believer there and have them figure it out because they have more insight than the whole court system combined. You know, they have more wisdom and the spirit of God in them than the than the secular court has in its entirety. And uh, you know, he just you know, he's kind of saying that kind of tongue in cheek. Of course, there's wise spiritual people with insight there that can determine these matters. But even the newest babe in Christ has more of the spirit of God and wisdom in him from the spirit of God than than the whole worldly system and I, I don't know about you but you know being around the church for so long have you guys uh, I don't know if you guys have run into that but I, I've actually seen Christians apply this. I've actually seen it a number of times um, where they would do that they would have a dispute and they would both agree to go to their churches and and uh, I think the last one that I uh, was, I didn't really get involved in, I just heard about it. You know, there was two people and it was a person from um, the church I was uh, going to, I got another person in another church and they had this dispute and it was over um, some construction thing. And, you know, they both agreed to hear like uh, the pastor of his church, I think, to, to make the determination, which I thought was... You know obviously the right way in the very biblical way and people applied it and uh, you know it today you know we would call that arbitration um, and you know you sign all sorts of legal waivers to go to arbitration rather than court because obviously attorneys come up with costs so much and and uh, in this case it would be Christian arbitration you know you just somebody there that makes a decision you both agree to stand by the decision and that's super solidly biblical New Testament, Old Testament. It's just really pretty, pretty solid. And and I don't know if you've experienced that or run into people that have done that, but I, um, I you know, it does happen, which is a great thing. Now again, I, I just want you to, to remember this. Paul is not saying here in, in any of this that you shouldn't deal with the problem. You know, you shouldn't deal, you shouldn't deal with the problem. He doesn't say that. He's going to say something in a little bit here about, you know, your pride in this and that, but he doesn't say don't deal with it. Just just let it go, which, you know, is, is, is a, you know, quite frankly, something a person could think about. But he's not saying don't deal with the problem. You know, if you need to deal with this problem if it's going to be a problem, and problems are going to come, and they're going to come between believers, and they're going to come, you know, people that go into business, and they're brothers or sisters or something in the church, and they want to start a business together or do something together, and then there's some dispute at some end. You know, you're going to have problems, but how you're going to deal with them is what's really being addressed here. Are you going to do it God's way, the godly way, or not? Are you going to do it like everybody else does and go to the, the you know, the secular courts? And, you know, the, the Bible has so much to say about, you know, judging in the Old Testament, right? I mean, how many times do you see when we go through the Old Testament, they said over and over and over and over again, you know, judges, do what's right, you know, because you're answering to God and you have power in this decision that you're going to render, but you're accountable to me to make sure you make the right decision, that you're not influenced by anything. And that's, that's the, really the position of a person that makes a determination in this matter. You know, they have to answer to God for it. And so, you want to take it seriously and hear all sides and not be emotional about it, but, you know, be spiritual. Go to prayer. Lord, give us insight on really what's going on here to make this right. Because if not, what do you do? You go to lawyers. I don't know how many of you guys had to deal with lawyers in your life. One of the reasons I moved positions with the state is because I just couldn't stand going to court all the time and and just being deposed and lawyers tearing you apart uh, for no reason other than to make your opinion and what you're writing and even though what you're citing is 100% right and 100% in accordance with the law they will make you look like, you know, you're some monkey that doesn't know what he's doing and uh, so that, you know, that your opinion <laughs> is not worth anything. And and it's not a personal attack but but the attorneys just, you know, that's that's what they do, and they're cutthroat, and they use for every position. And I'm not saying everyone's like that. My sister's an attorney, so okay, I, you know, she doesn't practice law in the courts, uh, but you know, and uh, but you know, you know how lawyers can be. In fact, it's always a good time for a good lawyer joke, right? During these during these times, you know, there was a, there was a, a Russian and a Cuban and American businessman. And, you know, an American lawyer traveling on the train to Europe and, you know, the story goes, the the Russian, all of them are sitting around a table and the Russian takes out his bottle of vodka and pours everybody, his companion, a drink. And then he takes the the bottle and, you know, three quarters full or whatever, and throws it out the window. And, you know, the American businessman asks him, well, why'd you do that? He says, wow, in my country, (laughs) in my Russian accent here. You know, vodka's plentiful. You know, they're all in my country. We have more than we can ever use. And the next guy, the Cuban, goes around, right? And, you know, he passes everybody the, you know, Cuban cigar. And they, you know, take a couple puffs. And then he grabs them from them and throws them out the window. And he he says, you know, Eric Abismas, I thought the Cuban economy was suffering and difficult. And, you know, why are you doing that? And you throw away a perfectly good cigar. He says, ah, Cigars in my country are a dime a dozen. We have more of them than we know what to do with. And then the American businessman sat there for a moment and thought and silent. Then he got up and grabbed his lawyer and threw him out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay, there's my lawyer joke. <laughs> more than we can do with them, uh, more than we know what to do with them, right? And they're, they're willing and quickly aiming to go to court. And so, um, you know talking about all those problems and all those issues. And now the solution and the key to this whole problem, and again, Paul's addressing both parties, by the way. He's addressing both parties here. He's going to give the solution, uh, you know, uh, and and the key to the whole thing. You know, what's really at the heart of the whole matter. And and again, it goes, he's going to address both parties here. Verse 6, But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers... Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. So, first of all, you know, he, he kind of goes to the real heart of the matter, right? Right? Here, here's the real problem. You know, why are you even doing this? You know? Um, so that you can get something that you feel cheated on. You know, somebody took advantage of you. And so, you know, your your pride is hurt. Uh, you need to get what's coming to you, which is a, you know, a, an attitude of, of so many people today. You know, well, they wronged me. I need to get, you know, what's, what's due me, right? Um... Listen, what what he says here is you know really what's your whole heart before the matter. It's a bad witness that you what what does that say about the church that you can't figure things out within your within the church, you have to go outside? What kind of testimony is that to the world and to people and to your community, really? And those that know you and know that you know the Lord. Um uh, listen, a, a person is going to come out he says so much more ahead if they just try if they just you know let it go and give it to the Lord, rather than drag you know uh, the name of the Lord into these heathen courts, and for what? For money to prove that you're right, you know that show that they did something wrong to you, and you know really kind of boils down to pride and and money and and retribution. Really, at the end of the day, um. And so he says at the end of the day, before you even go to court, think of your heart on the whole matter. You're dragging the Lord, because he's going to talk about this in, in sexual matters too at the end of this chapter. So keep this in mind. It's a, it's a theme through the whole thing. You're dragging the name of the Lord into ungodly courts and asking for those that you know have no concern for the Lord rendering the decisions. And I'm speaking in very general terms, because I'm sure there's some Christian judges at some point in some places, certainly. But just in general terms, you're, you know, you're you're asking for there, you know, to have authority and rule. He you know, said that's, you know, you're already utter failure or defeated, it says in some translations, by just doing that. And and it's just better to to let to the you know let it all go than to do that. And at the end of the day you know think about this you know I, I believe he's saying if we obey the Lord in this or really in anything do you you really think we're going to lose somehow do you really think somehow we will lose yeah it might cost you you know five thousand dollars instead of going to court or ten thousand or three hundred or yes it might be look like that they got away with one or you know this or that but do you really think as a believer that you're going to come out behind trusting the Lord? I I mean, you know, if they want to go to court and you say, no, we need to keep it in here. And they're like, nope, here's this lawsuit paper. You know, fine, just let it, you know, I'll let it go. What do I need to give you? What needs to be done? It's better to do that than to drag the name of the Lord, you know, and through the mud, if you would. And if we obey the Lord, we will never lose, guys. And I think we understand that principle very well. We, we do. I think most of us understand that principle, right? If we obey the Lord, it looks like sometimes in the short term, we're gonna come up short. You help out this person, you give this away, you do this, you know, you work over here, you serve this, whatever it might be. It looks like, you know, you're taken away from yours in, in some way, in some fashion. But when we're serving the Lord, we, we always come out ahead. <laughs> always. We just can't outgive God. We have nothing to lose. Now, keep this all in mind, because this is the context of what we're going to read for the rest of the this chapter. And it's, you know, some verses that tend to be looked at a little bit separately, but it's really part of the same context. And not that there's not other applications to it. Don't misunderstand me, but... Then he says, right after that, verse 9, do you not know, I'm sorry, do you not know, yeah, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Uh, You know, again, now I think he's addressing here, in this case, now he's kind of moving back to the other side, to the party that did the wrong, right? Specifically, he's kind of looking at that, but he's talking to everybody in general as well to, to learn from this, you know, to this brother who did wrong. Do you, don't you realize how serious your sin is? The only thing you gain from cheating your brother is eternity with the unrighteous. That's what he's saying here, right? Uh, you, you know, if you're doing something wrong, and then this guy feels wrong by it, and you're cheating, and you're, and you're doing this, you know, obviously to get ahead or, you know, get money or taking advantage of some business deal or whatever it might be, you, you know... And you you know you have do this unrighteously, and you're taking advantage of somebody in the church. you know the only thing you're going to get out of that is you know is eternity <laughs> with the unrighteous i I like this quote, and I'm going to put it up there because uh, I think it's pretty appropriate. He says, "There is no place for dishonest dealing by Christians. How much less place is there for dishonest dealing among Christians? many have rejected the things of God and the fellowship of the saints because dishonesty and cheating among Christians and I thought that was true you know it, it, you know how effective are we as a light you know when this kind of stuff is going on you know somebody walks into the church and they're suing this guy because this guy cheated them, and this guy's a Christian and he's cheating people and then this guy you know wants to get his fair share and so they're going outside the, you know and uh, what kind of a witness is that right? Um, you know that's that's that that's that's a terrible witness um we're not supposed to be like that anymore that's what he's going to address here you know we're not what we once swore we're once what we once were we've been transformed and these kind of actions reflect to those who are unrighteous you know uh you know again not the righteous so that's that's the whole idea he's you know he's saying look look at just Look at the, the testimony that it has for the Lord in these things. And if you're doing this uh, and you, you know, this dishonesty thing, you, you're, you're walking uh, 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 among the group of people that he's going to talk about right here. Because verse 9 goes on to say, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Listen, he goes into this and he starts listing those who live and practice these lifestyles, and list them that these who live and practice these lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it's a broad list, and it's not in any order of necess- of sin, you know, one sin is ranked above another sin, or one's below another, all will cause loss, if you would, all end up, uh, you know, going, you know, you get an e-ticket straight to hell, uh, you know, or a uh, you play Monopoly, do not pass go, go directly to jail when you pull that chance card or whatever it is, right? You go right there. Those that live and practice this. And, and, and again, um, the, 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 you're cheating, you're taking advantage of others, and you're to be a believer, and it's causing this bad testimony in court. He said, you know, you're, you're ranking yourself among these kind of people. Now he's gonna talk about the sexual sins in the coming verses, you know, as we most of us know this. But you know, there are those that we need to talk about that talk about on some of this list, obviously, that um, you know, will say, and typically in the in the sexual sin area, who say this is the way they're made, this is where they're wired, this is the way they can't they can't change. And I think this is very important um, for us to understand. Uh, We need to see this because, again, um, verse 11 says it so clearly, and such were some of you. There was people in the church that were caught up in these sins, but when they came to know Jesus, their sins were washed away, they were sanctified, and now they're new creations in God. We need to remember that. Because sometimes we get stuck at the the sin part, and we don't say that, you know, we... We just kind of leave off here. You're not you're carrying the kingdom of God. But what Paul's saying is, remember, you guys were doing this. There were those of you in this church that live this way. This is not how you're supposed to live because you were, you know, saved and redeemed and washed. You're a new creation and, and, and you're going back to the old. You know, that was the warning to those. And, and again, but, you know, for our day and age... There's a lot of them saying, you know, hey, wait a minute, I was born this way. I just, you know, I can't be in a monogamous relationship. In other words, I can't just have one woman or one man. You know, I got to sleep around. I got to be with different people. I just wasn't wired that way. I know you've probably run into, you know, a lot of people that way. Or, you know, and, and they think that way whether they're in fornication or sleeping around or whether they're married and do that in adultery. And uh, again, you know, then we go in the homosexual community, and that's the huge hot button of today, right? Um, Again, here's a slide uh, that you guys have heard about, you know, conversion therapy. Uh, This is what, if you don't know what conversion therapy is, conversion therapy is considered, uh, you try to talk to somebody Uh, about changing their sexual identity or their sexual, I forgot the exact word they use, identity, who they are, and you try to talk them out of not being that anymore. So let's just say they're homosexual, and you start telling them, you know, Jesus uh, uh, wants to save you, and listen, you know, you can come to know him, He'll, uh, he'll take away your sin, he'll give you a new heart, You'll you know you'll be spend eternity with him, we'll have that fellowship and that intimacy. He'll just change your life, he'll put the spirit of God in you, and you just will won't, you'll be a different person. They would consider that conversion therapy. And and again, here's just you know, here's what the thought is. And I I think this is important, and I, I want to camp out on this for a minute. So just because this is like the big, you know, um, you know. Uh, how Satan is really going to attack the church in persecution? I, be- I believe this is on the forefront of that, because the whole evolution thing and the whole you know getting rid of God—it wasn't super super effective. People kind of mod it and this and that. It's, it's always there, but I believe this is the this is the forefront of of you know his push in the last number of years. There's a number of fronts. Don't misunderstand me. But here's what it says. Um, Now, that's conversion therapy, we would say, right? You're converting them into what they're not. So they consider that wrong. We consider that biblical. And here's what they say. It's the lies and dangers of efforts to change sexual orientation or gender identity. Sorry, sexual uh, orientation is right there in front of me. And I'll I'll quote to you here. Some right-wing religious groups promote the concept that an individual can change their sexual orientation or gender identity, either through prayer or religious, other religious efforts, or through so-called reparative or conversion therapy. The research on such efforts has disproven their efficacy, efficacy thank you, I can... Bye bye bye. and also has indicated that they are affirmatively harmful. So this is the attack, by the way, on on the church. Now, again, what I'm literally saying right now, and what I just said, um, if there was a person who had a different gender identity or a sexual orientation and they were listening to this, I'm actually right now breaking the law in the state of California. And if I was, um, again, speaking in Canada, I would be breaking the national law, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. It's against the law to do that in our state, and I imagine our county has some laws about that, and I wouldn't be surprised if the city had something in their laws about it now. To be honest with you, I didn't check that much, but certainly I know California is, because I have to read California law more than I ever wanted to in my entire life, but and get trained on stuff that is actually crazy, but you can see here by these two Pew Research charts, and by the way these go back to 2015, so seven years later, this is the most recent data I could find, but you can see how the, the trend is from moving away from what people think biblically. Biblically, Now, uh, again, so seven years, and you imagine the numbers are going in the directions they're headed here, but the first one shows the share of, of gay people person sexual orientation cannot be changed. The top one shows that most people, yeah, you're right, they can't be changed. Uh, the number in 2015 is you know, 30%, and those that don't know is obviously at 7%. But if you look at the trends of it from 2003 to 2015, you can see it's going up. People, there's just no way they can change. And the people that say, yes, a life can be changed is dwindling down, and I imagine those numbers are going higher and lower um, in, in our day here, some seven years later. And then I thought the next one was kind of interesting, and again, it's 2015 data, but I I think it's still trending the same way. Um, They see a lot of conflict between homosexuality and religious beliefs. And you can see, it's just, I love that they put white evangelical Protestants, but, you um, you know, are the ones that really think, you know, that's that's, that's a big problem, why the others, again, are a lot less. And then, of course, it depends, what their view is, depending on how often they go to church, which is not a shock to most of us, right? You're not involved in godly things, the more the influence of the world is on you. It's just just the way of things, right? You're not in the Word, you're not in fellowship. You know, you go casually once in a while, whenever it is. When you feel super convicted and you can't take any more, I better get to church, <laughs> And today, you know, people, I better just watch it online, kind of sadly, um, you know, just to get something. like, so you know, get rid of this conviction. But again, you know, it's, um, you know, here's the, conver- ther- uh, Canada passed a national law. And uh, again, this was their study from 2019 that 67% experienced therapy, conversion therapy in a religious or faith-based setting. And then... You know, a smaller percentage, obviously, and through a licensed health care provider. And then because of that, Canada passed a law that it's illegal. And it's a direct attack, let me just say, on the church. It's a direct attack on the Bible. And people just, you know, for the most part, we kind of slept through all that. And here's what they say, by the way, a person from um, that helped pass the Canadian law. It says, this is an incredible incredibly important step to make sure queer and trans people in Canada feel valid and deserving of full protection. It also sends a strong message to the entire country that any attempt to change, deny, or suppress the identity of queer and trans people is wrong. And the violations, you can get up to five years in imprisonment for that. I just want us to see very clearly, and again, I, I encourage you to underline and highlight or whatever you like to do in your Bible, verse 11, and, and such were some of you. Such were some of you. Um, just remember that. There was people that were once this that weren't anymore. Because you've been washed and you have been made new. And in the end, you know, we have to make a decision. Who are we going to trust—the the opinion of the world that we just saw all there, or are we going to trust what God says and what He says is possible? You know, you know what's what's going to happen? Who are we gonna who are we gonna believe? The world opinion, what people think? That's going all over the place. It is, and it's going to go, you know, straight down the toilet. And that world opinion one day is going to lift up the antichrist, the opposite of Jesus, and hold them up in highest esteem to the point of worshiping him. That's the direction of the world. We already know the end of all that. <laughs> the Bible tells us all. It's not a guess. The world opinion is heading straight to hell and stri- and, and rushing towards worshiping a uh, 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 one who is just the opposite or anti-christ and, and they will bow down and serve him and you know think it's the greatest thing that ever hit the earth at that time it will so that opinion is nothing we should ever side with you know Netflix just put out a movie I think last year, it was called Pray Away, you know, that t- talked about this whole thing, you know, how wrong conversion therapy is. Uh, you know, it's everywhere. And, and and there's a lot of pressure on us, and a lot of laws being made that, you know, aren't necessarily enforced right now, aren't really enforced right now, but there's going to be a time when they have enough political muscle behind them that you bet that what I'm saying right now is going to be enforced, and you can't say that, and I don't care what the Bible says, it's wrong, and it's, 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 you're immoral, and you're hurting people, and all those other things. You're trying to change what is unchangeable. Of course, we all know who can change the unchangeable. Look at our own lives, right? (laughs) We're a testimony to that fact. We know He can change us. Because we can find ourselves in that list to some degree or another on all those things. And I am focusing on that because that's the big push. You know, that's the big thing. You know, nobody's talking about covetousness, desiring more and wanting more and having to get this and wanting to get that. I mean, that's something that's completely accepted in our society and not looked bad upon at all. But all of them, again, you know, don't inherit the kingdom of God. I was talking to Ethan about this as we were going over these slides and we were talking about it. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fine line in our hearts and our at least I find it with me. And so I can't speak for you, obviously, but, you know, we, we need to understand that we want to reach those people for Jesus, that we love them. This has to be clear in our hearts is that they need a Savior as much as anybody else. As much as we look at anybody else, you know, they... Are in desperate need of a Savior and we need to have that heart open. And, and they're the ones, you know, the, the homosexual community for the most part, the L, that acronym LG blah blah blah, whatever it is, uh, you know, all that is, you know, is putting it in our face and demanding that we recognize who they are and demanding that we accept them and demanding that we say what they do and feel and whatever they want to do is hundred percent right. They're demanding that from us. They're not saying live and let live, or yeah, we want to do ours and you got your thing. And you, no, no, no. It's not that at all. You either are on our side or you're, you know, a bigoted, you know, homophobic, blah, 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 right? There's just no, you know, you have your opinions, we have our opinions. It's not like that. They're demanding. And so, you know, it does stir up a response in our hearts. And so we can kind of be on the, you know, aggressive a little bit. And again, I'm speaking for myself. I have to keep my own heart in check that we just don't lump everybody in there. And yes, there are those like that, but they need Jesus as much as anybody else needs Jesus, just like me or you. And we can't really just, you know, segregate them as just being the worst and the other guys aren't so bad because they're not in our face as much. Listen, I... You know, I I can tell you from personal experience, I can just think of one story off the top of my head, but, you know, there was a, um, the church I came from, I remember one Sunday was two people walked in, and you could tell they're homosexual right away. I mean, it was pretty evident, it was, you know, pretty clear, and I thought to myself, what are they doing here? (laughs) Sorry, I'm admitting, right? I'm like, really? It's not typically a place you see them. You know, usually one will come in, but to to see a couple come in, not so much. But, you know, and the Lord checked my heart is, hey, they're here at church. This is what you want. This is great. This is something you need to rejoice in. You know, and if they have different intentions to cause problems, Lord, you're going to take care of all that, right? But the bottom line is they're here and they're going to hear what you have to say. On whatever was being taught that morning and I could tell you they came back and they came back got to know them got to find out their story my assessment was right (laughs) and uh, you know they were living together and they were you know in that whole community together and they were all this but they kept coming and coming and then they gave their life to Jesus and I can tell you now I both of them are married both of them have families And their lives are completely different than when they were when they first walked into that church. And I follow them on Facebook, so I know what's going on with them. And I see it firsthand in that community. And again, we see it firsthand in our lives, again, because our names are in our lives before Jesus were found in this list as well. And so we need to remember that. We want them to come to church. We want them to hear the gospel. It doesn't matter who they are on this list or any other list that you could add names to that of living those kind of sinful lifestyles. We want them to come and we want them to hear the gospel. And we always need to have that heart. Our heart is that they will come to know our Savior just as he, as we have come to know Him. And we need to remember that. And I capped out on that for a long time because I think, you know, I need to hear it. And we can get things skewed, and we need to know the truth. We know the attack that's coming in the church. But we also need to know, just like the solution here is is Jesus. And that's who some of you were. But we were washed, as verse 11 says, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Just remember that. Who are we going to trust, God's Word or the opinion of the world? And let's finish up the last few verses here. And verse 13 says... All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under, under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now again, here's where people get Scripture totally wrong. They don't get it. they think you become a Christian, and you know you this fun is sucked out of life, and you live this life of some kind of monk, and you know you're, you give up you know the whole crazy thing you know that we probably thought as well, right? But the reality is now we're free from everything and able to do anything. and I'll say that again, anything no. We're going to talk about that as we go through Corinthians, and Paul's going to talk about it in some other letters when we get to it, about the freedoms we have. Because we are now free to do anything. But the difference is, now we choose to do those things that are good and honor the Lord. Before we knew Jesus, we didn't have really a, a decision in it. You know, we we're stuck, a slave to whatever our body appetites were, whatever they figured it on that list, parts of them, all of them, some of them, whatever it is. But now we are free to choose the things that are good and that honor the Lord. And I, you know, uh, what what he's telling us here is I choose not to let any of those ruin my life like they once did. Whether going down here or chasing after this or doing... Those things, uh, you know, uh, 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 were running my life. But now I'm free in Christ, so I choose not to let them, you know... Um, ruin my life. Now again, the Corinthian culture back then was the—you know—the se- sexual act here was nothing more than satisfying one's sexual or physical appetite, no different than needing food. I think what's Paul saying here? That was a prevailing thought. Uh, in the Corinthian society, because you know, they worship, as you talked about, Aphrodite there, which was the, the god of love and you know, all sorts of sexual promiscuity. So, the, the flow of society was, you know, if it feels good, do it, we'd say today, right? And, and it's really no different than, than really our society is as a whole today. You know, you need food for your body, right? Well, you have other appetites in your body. You have a need for sleep, you have a need for sex, you have a need for this. And so, you know, you eat and nobody thinks different of it. So why can't you have, you know, the body, satisfy the body, bodily appetite of, of, of sexuality, you know, in, in, in the same way? It's just a natural, uh, you know, uh, desire, appetite, if you would, a physical. Um, and then Paul's going to address that. You know, we're free from all this. Now we're set free. We're, we don't live those kind of lives. We're not run by those kind of things. And sexual immorality, when, you, when we get to those, involves uh, together two bodies, not really the bodies, but the souls. He's saying sex, sex itself doesn't just bring together two bodies, but two souls. It's the very essence of one's person, which belongs to God. Keep that in mind. That's what he's talking about here. It's, it's, not, it's different than some of these other you know, natural appetites, if you would. And verse 14 tells us that, And God raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, as he's quoting right from Genesis, shall become one but he who is joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit. So flee sexual immorality for every sin that, man, that, that a man does outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. So, you know, he's talking about here, you guys were, you know, dragging him into court. You're, you know, if you're involved in, in evil things and trying to cheat the body and trying to get ahead and doing all these kind of things, man, you're, you're on line and on par with those that are that are, you know, not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And, you know, that might be your natural tendency to get ahead and do all this kind of stuff, but you can't do that. And and then, you know, it's it's just like the, the those are living the immoral lifestyle. And he, then he goes on to say, you know, uh, again, you know, and if you're taking this appetite and you're going by your natural tendencies, you know, one of the things is that, you know, you, you can't do that with any kind of sexual morality. Because just like inviting, you know, take as a Christian going before the ungodly as being a bad witness in court, so is what you're doing is you're joining yourself, you know, with a, a, you know, a person that you're not married to in a sexual relationship. You're joining with them in, 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 a, in, a, in a special way that obviously you're bringing Jesus into that. Just like you're bringing Jesus and smearing his name all over the court when two believers go into an ungodly court and they're saying, you know, these are two Christians. We, you know, obviously they know him in the community and this and that. And you're you know, now you're going to argue and this person cheated me and that. Well, aren't these guys supposed to be Christian? And, and the same thing now with the sexual immorality. He's saying, you know what? You you're placing Jesus in that situation when you're sleeping with that person. You're 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 bringing Jesus as a Christian into that whole, immoral place. And not only does fornication jeopardize one's eternal state, but it's also, it agonizes our our holy king Jesus, right? You know, he's basically saying, don't you understand you're bringing Jesus into this whole situation? And again, this is a shocking concept. You know, uh, you're placing Christ in a place where he should never be. Now, again, you know, Dr. Phil or whatever Phil or whatever those guys are on TV and, you know, talk about adultery or sleeping around or this or that or whatever. Oh, yeah, it's just your thing. and then it, We're not into that. That's not what we're, you know, worshiping and serving the Lord about. You know, going after the world's position. We don't want to smear Christ's name, whether it's in court or bring him into any kind of immoral situation, because we represent him. He's in us. He dwells in us. The Godhead dwells in us. And whatever situation we bring him into, he's part of it. And finally, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, but you were brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. By the way, the last college I went to had that up on the gym wall. I thought that was really cool. They had that verse painted up there. It was kind of a cool thing. But what he's saying, you know, again, as he's moving into these sexual sins, they place a heavy toll on us. And our body as Christians is the temple of God. That's what it says, where God lives. We need to think about that. You know, uh, again, where we go, what we do, we're bringing Jesus into that situation with us, and uh, you, you know, and we don't want to smear Him, no matter where it is, or what it is, or what the situation. I like this um, this this quote, and we'll finish up with this. He says, whether it was Nebuchadnezzar in five eighty six B C. or the Roman general Titus in eighty seventy, to destroy the effectiveness of Israel, her enemies burned the temple. What does the enemy do to you? He comes time and time again to burn the temple of your body with lust in order that you might be burned, uh, you might be burned out and decommissioned from effective service." I like that. You know, it's a a good analogy. It's a good thing to learn. You know, it just... when When we do that, you know, it was just it just moves us out of a place of effective service and who we are and Jesus, and we're bringing Him into these situations. And we were bought and paid by the precious blood of Jesus that frees us from our old nature, and now we are His and bring glory to our Father. And what was going on in these situations was not that. And so, you know, He has to... Bring them back in and say, listen, you need to think about what you do and how you act and where you go and what you're a part of because you're bringing Jesus there and you can't live these kind of lives because it's just, that's what the world does. And the world and all those things that they do, well, that's on a, literally like the song says, the highway to hell. And that's not the direction that you want to go, nor should go as a believer. And so as we look at these this morning, you know, it's an important thing to remember and it's not an easy thing to teach on, but it's an important thing that we should remember and uh, take heed of, and remember particularly in the society we're living in, when we get pressure, and we will get more and more pressure, we need to know what the Bible says, and we need to know and stand very clear on it, because either we go with God's Word, or the, peop- the opinion of the world, or you know, opinion of people as a whole, and which one are we going to trust? Well, let's pray. Father, we do, again, thank you for your word. And again, not easy things to, to teach on, Lord, but it's just, they're important because, you know, things can get away from us. And just like it did in the Corinthian church here, and it's not everybody, certainly, and not even a majority of them. But, you know, we can feel that way. We can feel like we were taken advantage of and, and uh, you know, somebody did us wrong or hurt our hurt us in some way, and our pride takes a big hit, and we feel like we have to, you know, have some kind of retribution in some way, because they took advantage or said something, and, and Lord, sometimes we can drag your name through the mud when we try to get back what we think is our due, or, you know, earn back, you know, ego points, or correct all this, or, you know, get retribution in some way for the harm that they did us, and that's just not your way. And your way is completely different. Just like the world pursues the natural appetites, you know, that's um, just what they do. But that's not who we are as believers. We've been made new, and we're new creations. And Lord, I pray for anybody today that's never made that decision, that hears this, that knows this, that maybe has maybe even heard it for a long time, maybe been you know, attached to the church in some way and knows what it's... but never made that for their own. Well, they're just a slave to their appetites. They can't be set free because it takes the power uh, of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the great work that's done through the death of Jesus on the cross and power of God to make us new creations. And that's what needs to happen, and if you've never done that this morning, now's the time just to ask. And for the rest of us, Lord, you know, now's the time for us to remember that's what the solution is to all the problems out there in the world. We don't have to, you know, pick one out or or another out, and some things are in our face a little bit more, and we can be a little bit more reactionary than we should be. We know what the solution is, just like what the solution was in our lives which is what you made us new creations, and we're no longer a slave to those things. We get to choose to do what's right. We get to choose to live for you and not do those things. We're not a slave to them, and we thank you for that freedom, Lord. And may we continue to spread that good news, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen, you guys. May the Lord bless your day.